like uh, security. We like security that comes from knowing what's going to happen and being able to see how it's going to happen. So if you have bills to pay, most of us like to be able to open our bank account and see the money in the account and know how we're going to pay those bills. If we have a task that we have to do, most of us would like to know exactly how all that's going to unfold and know what it is that we're supposed to do. So we like that, we like that security. But the Bible tells us that God is calling us to walk by faith and not by sight. So what does it mean to walk by faith and not by sight? Well, I want you to understand this. Living by faith does not mean living in doubt and uncertainty. But instead, our certainty is based on something else. Instead of our certainty being based on sight, that is what we can see and what we know right in front of us, our certainty is based upon the Word of God. God makes a promise. We believe His promise. And so we have a certainty based upon that belief. So God, when He calls us to live by faith, He's not calling us just to kind of live out in limbo, as though we have no basis for knowing where our life's going or what's going to unfold. Instead, He calls us to believe and trust in Him. So living by faith is not the opposite of, of living a certainty. It's just a certainty based on something else. Instead of our certainty being based on our sight and what we see, it's based on the very character and nature of God. God says something, and we believe and trust that promise. And on that basis, that belief and faith, then we have a new type of certainty. So this is what living by faith looks like. Now, I want you to think about this for a while. I know maybe, maybe you're probably thinking, well, Pastor, it's really a lot to ask to ask us to kind of base our life on faith and not on what we can see. Well, the reality is, is that we, we put our faith and trust in people, people that we don't even know and haven't even met all the time on a regular basis. Think about this. When you board an airplane today, oftentimes they've already got the cockpit closed. You can't even see who the pilot is, let alone know him. You don't know anything about the airline many times. We, we uh, flew to Thailand and flew some different Asian airlines we'd never even heard of. And we all just got, we went on the plane and we sat down, we buckled up. Don't know anything about the company, don't know anything about the pilot. We just trust that the company's probably in their best interest to, to be safe and get us there. And the pilot's probably went through some schooling and training and knows what he's doing. So we just trust these random strangers. You ever notice driving down a road? If there's no divided median, you're just driving down a two-lane road, have you ever noticed how close we actually are to the oncoming traffic? I mean, literally, when you pass a car on some of our roads, there's just a matter of inches between you and the next car. All it takes is for that oncoming driver to lose focus for a minute, drop something in the floor, bend down to get it, look at their phone to read a text, anything can distract them long enough to veer over a few inches and either sideswipe us or cause a head-on collision. But every day we travel down these roads and we trust these strangers coming at us that we don't know, have never even seen before, don't know anything about. We trust them to stay in their lane and pay attention. Every day we find ourselves living based upon trust in other people. And what I'm asking you to do today is instead of 
placing your future in the hands of some unknown stranger that you know nothing about, like a pilot or an oncoming uh, driver, I'm asking you to take your life and put it in the very hands of God. The God that created you, the God that time and time again has demonstrated that he is trustworthy and can be dependent upon. Well, we're getting close to Christmas. And today, as we sang these songs and we looked at our Christmas, it reminds us that this holiday is soon approaching when we celebrate the birth of Christ. Well, today I want to point us to another birth in Scripture, a birth that, like the birth of Jesus, was also promised in advance. And just like the birth of Jesus, who was promised to be born to a virgin, this birth was not promised to a virgin, but it was promised to a person who was 90 years old. Her whole life she'd been barren, and yet God promised a child. When God promised this, the Bible says that Abraham laughed at God. He laughed at God. You may be thinking about the passage where the Bible tells us that Sarah overheard the angel of the Lord, and she laughed, and she did. But the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 17 that when God directly told Abraham that he was going to have a son through Sarah, Abraham fell on his face and laughed before God. You know one of the amazing things about that story? This man, Abraham, who upon hearing God's promise and laughing at it, later in life became a great hero of the faith. In fact, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's a passage that we refer to oftentimes as the hall of faith because in Hebrews chapter 11, it lists person after person of the Old Testament who had absolutely extraordinary faith. And Abraham is not only in that list, but Abraham is described in great detail about different ways that Abraham put his faith and his trust in God. And when I think about where Abraham started, laughing at God in his promise and where he ended, being a person of such great faith that the New Testament would tell us about his faith as an example for us to follow. When I think about where he started and where he ended up, it, it just reminds me that the Christian faith is, is not about where you begin. It's about where you end. And maybe you're here today and you're, you're sitting on the couch watching, you're driving down the road listening, and you're thinking, Pastor, I'm, I've never been a person with a lot of faith. I really need to see it right in front of me. If I can't see it, it's hard for me to believe it. Well, I want you to understand you're more like Abraham than you realize. Abraham was once where you are. But I believe if you open your heart to God, and believe and trust in him. Just watch him work in some areas in your life. You can end up where Abraham ended up. A person of great faith, believing and trusting in God. So I want to invite you to, to look at this passage with me. It's in Genesis chapter 17, beginning in verse 15. And we're going to read down through verse 21. So if you're able, I don't know where you are watching, but if you're in a place where you're able, would you please just stand out of honor and reverence for God's word as we read this together? 
Here's what the Bible says. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. And he shall, <coughs> excuse me. And he shall father 12 princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us to look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, who became Sarah. And Lord, may we learn to believe and to trust in your promises. For it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to have to get a drink of water. Give me one second. Excuse me. I don't know what it's like at your house, but whatever's the leaves, I don't know what it is. Something's killing me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we see in this passage that God asks us to believe some extraordinary promises. Extraordinary meaning outside of the ordinary. I think that's really what we often struggle with. Everything that we see around us is familiar. And so we don't have any trouble seeing all the things in front of us just continue in motion like they are. When we, when we hear the story about how the sun comes up and the sun goes down, but in reality we're rotating and we're revolving around the sun, I mean, we, we don't have any trouble believing any of this because we see it happen over and over again. And we hear about how children come into the world. We don't have any trouble believing that. We see it happen over and over and over again. But when you hear that a 90-year-old woman is going to conceive and bear a son, well, it's, it's outside of the ordinary. It's extraordinary. And that's where we seem to have difficulty, is when God wants to do extraordinary things in our life. But the reality is he calls us to believe in some extraordinary promises. One of the things that we see throughout Scripture is that God often moves in mystery. Let me give you an example here in this passage. The Bible says in verse 15, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. Now, God changes the name of Abraham's wife at age 90. And he gives no explanation why, not, at least not in this passage. No explanation to Abraham. He simply tells him, I want you to change her name. And it's such a small change. 
It's not a different name in Hebrew. It's just a little different pronunciation. Both mean princess in Hebrew. And so he says to Abraham, he says, this woman who is 90 years old that you've been married to your entire life, I want you to start calling her a slightly different name, but he gives no explanation and no reason. This is the way that God often works. He often moves in mystery, not telling us everything that he is doing and everything that he is planning. Later in the last part of the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, I want to ask you to join with me there. This is one of the the later Old Testament prophets, and I want you to notice what God revealed to the nation of Israel through the prophet Habakkuk. He says, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Maybe you've often wondered what God is doing in your life. Maybe you've often wondered what God is doing in some circumstance. If you're like the nation of Israel in the days of Habakkuk, you wouldn't believe if he told you. God often calls us to believe in extraordinary things. And he often moves in our life in a mysterious way in which he doesn't reveal everything that he's doing. God often moves also beyond our wildest expectations. Notice what he says to to Abraham about Sarah. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Abraham was struggling to believe that Sarah was going to have a child. And God says to Abraham, she's not just going to have a child. She's going to bring forth nations. God said, I'm going to use her to bring forth kings. And here's Abraham scratching his head. He's like, she's, Lord, I'm 100. She's 90. It doesn't seem possible. God often calls us to things that are impossible for us. But what's impossible for us is very possible for God. Paul understood this. And so in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, notice what he says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Abraham had not yet come to the point of understanding that Paul had, that God is able to do more than you can even imagine. Whatever you can conceive of that God might want to do in your life, You've not yet exhausted the power and ability of God. He is able, not just to bring children to 90-year-old barren women. He's able to take dead people and bring them to life. He's able to take people who have made a stream of self-destructive decisions, and he's able to redeem their life and use them for good. God is able to do more than we can even imagine or think of. What we see from Abraham, it's easy to laugh, but it's hard to believe. The Bible says in verse 17 that Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child 
be born to a man who is a hundred years old. And Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child. So Abraham literally fell on his face and laughed before God. He fell on his face and laughed before God. It's so easy for us to be skeptical and cynical. It's so easy for us to doubt and even mock God. But he's calling us to believe and he's calling us to trust. And Abraham may not have been there yet, but he got there in his life. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, I want you to notice how the Bible describes Abraham and his faith. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And when he went out not knowing where he was going, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. And listen to the Bible in the New Testament refer back to this time in Abraham's life. It says, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, remember he's 100 years old, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. And I want you to listen to this verse and reflect on it for just a moment. It says in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. You know what that means? Abraham, he saw the birth of Isaac. He saw some of God's other promises fulfilled. But he never saw God bring from Sarah a great nation or rulers. He died in faith, having not yet received the promise. But the key is that he died in faith. You and I, we have seen God fulfill many of the promises. We've seen God fulfill these promises that he made to Abraham. We've seen God fulfill promises that he made through the Old Testament prophets. Perhaps you've even seen God fulfill his promises in your life. But we've not seen all of the promises of God fulfilled. There are things that God has promised that have not yet happened, like the second coming of Christ. We may die in faith waiting for his return, or we may be alive when he returns. But either way, God is calling us to live, not by sight, but by faith. Maybe you're listening here today, you're watching, you're thinking, Pastor, it, it's hard for me to believe in things that I can't see. I mean, if it's not just right in front of me and I can't see it, it's, just, it's hard for me to believe it. 
Well, I want you to understand something. If you wait to see Christ's return to believe it, it'll be too late for you. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we're going to draw to here to him, we must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Abraham didn't start out there in his life. He believed that God existed, but he struggled to believe that God could keep all of his promises. But later in life, he came to a point of complete faith and trust in God. When we look at how God interacted with Abraham and what he promised, and then we see Abraham's response. And one of the things that we learn from this is, is that God is calling us not to substitute our will for his. It, it doesn't require any faith to offer God an easier plan. So notice how Abraham responds to God. He says, Abraham said to God, this is verse 18, Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Well, if you're not familiar with who Ishmael is, he was the son of Abraham, but not the son of Sarah. Sarah had been barren all those years, and she gave her maidservant to Abraham to have a son by her. And so God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son through your 90-year-old wife, Sarah. And Abraham says, Lord, I've already got a son by a servant. Let's just use him. He's already here. I can see him. It doesn't require any faith on my part to substitute him for your plan. And so he begins to bargain with God. Have you ever interacted with God this way? Many people throughout Scripture did. Do you know the Bible tells us about Moses? Whenever Moses was out in the wilderness and he saw the burning bush, and God spoke to him from that bush. And God said to Moses, he says, I want you to be my spokesperson. I want you to go down to Egypt, to Pharaoh, and I want you to be my spokesperson to speak for me to Pharaoh. And Moses says, well, Lord, I got a brother, and he's a really good speaker. And he tries to substitute his plan for God's plan because he's afraid to go and to speak to Pharaoh. God calls a prophet named Jonah, and he calls him to go and preach in Nineveh, which is the capital city of the reigning world empire at that time, the Assyrian Empire. And he says, I want you to go, and I want you to preach repentance. Jonah says, well, I got a better plan. I hate all those people. So how about if I just go the opposite direction, and we'll just let them burn in fire? Tries to offer God a different plan. There's a lot of reasons why we try to bargain with God and offer him a different plan. Sometimes we do it because we don't believe. Sometimes we do it because we believe we don't like it. Abraham struggles to believe that God can give him a son through Sarah. He says, well, Lord, what about Ishmael? Let's just use him. But it doesn't take any faith to offer God an alternative plan. Faith involves us submitting to the will of God and believing and trusting in his plan for us. Jesus modeled this for us. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, listen to what he prayed the night before he would be crucified. Luke chapter 22, verse 43. This is Jesus praying. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. The cup that he's talking about is God's wrath being poured out upon him on the cross. 
If you're willing, remove this cup from me. But, but listen, listen to what he prays. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus modeled for us submitting to the will of God. Abraham didn't begin there, but you know Abraham got to that point in his life as well. In that passage from Hebrews chapter 11, if we go down a few more verses, we see the Bible telling us about another uh, time in Abraham's life. It says in verse 17, by faith when Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And if you're not familiar, Isaac is the son that God gave him through Sarah. God kept his promise. Sarah gave birth and they named his son Isaac, just as the Lord had asked him to do. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. God asked Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. He didn't want him to go through with it. He just wanted Abraham to see that he had enough faith to believe and trust God. And if he didn't pick up on it, a very clear foreshadowing of how God would offer his own son for us. He says, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. You say, well, why would Abraham do that? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 what Abraham was thinking. It says in verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see, Abraham, at 100 years old, heard this promise from God. He said, you're going to have a child through your 90-year-old wife. And he didn't believe at first, but God kept his promise. And he had this son, Isaac. And he raised him. He watched him grow. He loved him. And then God said to him, I want you to offer up your son, your only son. And Abraham knew that Isaac was the very fulfillment of God's promise to him. And he knew that God had promised Sarah that she would bring forth nations. And even though he loved his son, he was willing to submit to the will of the Father. Even though God did not tell him what was about to happen. Offering up his son was as much a mystery as changing his wife's name. God didn't reveal to him all the details. But the Bible tells us that by faith, he believed that God would keep his promise. He believed in God so much that he knew that if necessary, God could even bring Isaac back from the dead after he'd offered him a sacrifice. He believed and he trusted in God. Earlier, he laughed at God's promises. But now in the latter years of his life, He's living by them. Abraham became a person who believed and trusted in God. You know, when I think about the radical change in Abraham's life, it encourages me. It encourages me to think that, that I don't have to stay where I am in my faith and neither do you. God is patient 
and he's gracious and he wants us to grow and to grow in faith and become more like his son. He is patient and he is persistent in his plans in our life. And so notice what he says in verse 19. God said, no, but Sarah will be your wife. God had a plan. God revealed his plan. God would not be moved from his plan. This is how God operates in the world. And so when we come to the point of of faith that we can believe and trust that God is good and that he loves us, then we can have faith in him, even when we don't know all of God's plans. You know, one of the amazing things about the grace of God is that God works for our good even when we doubt him. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 20. God is responding to Abraham and he says, As for Ishmael, I have heard you. I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. You see, even when God has to say no to our lesser plans, he still hears us and blesses us. So many of us have been praying to God for so long that we take for granted that he hears us. But do you know that there's people all over the world that are trying to find a way to be heard by God? They're lighting candles. They're making sacrifices. They're fasting. They're doing all kinds of things in order to be heard by their God. The Bible tells us about a time in Israel's history when the Old Testament prophet Elijah challenged the false prophets of Baal in his day. King Ahab's wife Jezebel had brought all these Baal prophets into the nation. And so Elijah challenged them. And he said, let's just go up on Mount Carmel and let's offer sacrifice, but nobody light a fire. We'll simply pray and whoever's God answers by fire, then we'll all know which God is real. And the Bible tells us that all day long, the prophets of Baal tried to get Baal to send fire. They prayed, they chanted, they danced, they cut themselves, they wailed, they did everything they knew to do to get his attention all day, but he never responded. By contrast, when they were done, Elijah stood up. He said one short, simple prayer. And in response, fire fell from heaven and consumed the offering. Do you know why? It's because we serve a God who hears us. God said to Abraham, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Isn't it amazing that even when we doubt God, try to circumvent his plan and work against him, in his grace and mercy, he still loves us and he still works in our best interest. I want to share you one last thing. One of the most important things that we can learn in the Christian life is that God brings about his plan in his own time. So notice what it says here. God said, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you. Here's what he says. At this time next year. 